Hi, I'm Jenna. And I'm Mark. And you're listening to Cincinnati Zoo Tales. Hey guys, we're back. It's just me, Jenna. And and me, Mark. Just two of us today. Just two of us. Yeah. It'll be a little different. We don't have a guest today. We wanted to just do kind of a quick and interesting episode featuring, well, not featuring our ostriches, but we do have two ostrich. Yes. Myrtle and Pam. Ostrich? Ostriches? Ostriches, right? Ostriches. I've always said ostriches. I hope that's correct. <laughs> yeah, I've said it like four times. I feel like I'm saying the entire word, word wrong. Um, but we have Myrtle and Pam, so we're going to talk a little bit about them. And then facts about ostriches, yes, (laughs) (laughs) in general. Um, And hopefully you guys will learn something. I definitely learned a few new facts when I was looking up um, questions for your quiz that I'm going to quiz you Uh later. Uh-oh, look out. I can't wait. I can't wait. (laughs) So welcome back to Cincinnati Zoo Tales. Hopefully you guys enjoy this. Um, We have, I mentioned Myrtle and Pam, two female ostriches. And Mark works closely with them. Of course, I know them, but he is our primary Savannah person, and he works more closely with them, does training and all sorts of things. So we're going to have you tell us a little bit more about them as individuals. So let's start with Myrtle. Myrtle. Oh, my goodness. The sweetest bird in the world. Myrtle, she's our... Our largest ostrich. So if you come to the zoo and you're looking about how to tell them apart, which bird is which, Myrtle is about eight or nine inches taller than Pam. Myrtle's, I'm six foot and I look straight up to Myrtle. So she's got to be six foot six, six foot eight, somewhere in that range. She's a big girl. Which is pretty average, especially for females, Mm -hmm. which makes me believe that Pam is a little bit short. I think Pam's a little girl. Yeah. (laughs) So Pam's our shorter ostrich. She's maybe 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, I've got a couple inches on Pam, so she's definitely a lot shorter. But weight-wise, they fluctuate a little bit, especially seasonally. Their weight kind of comes and goes. They go anywhere from 230 to 270 pounds, somewhere in that range. But they stay really consistent with each other, which is always kind of surprising because of how much taller Myrtle is, you'd expect her to weigh a little bit more. Yeah, but, that is interesting. Yeah. They're so muscular. Yes. And it's hard to see, like... Their bodies, it doesn't seem like Pam is all that, like, fluffier or wider. Yeah. So I wonder where she carries that weight. But yeah, I, I was looking it's in our records, and Myrtle's current weight is 261, which you probably knew. 261. And do you know how old she is? Myrtle? She's young. She's young. I want to say she's four. But I could be wrong about that. She's about five. Okay. And it's tough because her age is listed within six months. So it sounds yeah. like nobody knows like, her exact birthday, which happens sometimes yes. depending on where they come from. Yeah, so Myrtle actually came from an ostrich farm. So she went from an ostrich farm to Columbus Zoo where she spent a couple of years. And then she came down to our zoo what was that? Right at the start of 2021. So it's been a little over a year now. She came to us in January of 2021. But yeah, I know with these massive ostrich farms, they have so many births, it's hard to keep track of all of them. <laughs> yeah, so you were pretty close. And it's always one of those things where like, I didn't know how many animals we have in the department or everyone's <laughs> birthday. It's hard to keep track of once in a no, while. No, we've got so many animals' birthdays or something I'm horrible with. Yeah. I could not tell you all of our animals' birthdays. Like, do you know your 40 closest friends all of their birthdays? <laughs> I can hardly remember my immediate family's birthdays. Um, and you said she's the sweetest. Like, can you give an example of why you, you would say that? Yeah, so they've got such different personalities. Like, Myrtle is very people-oriented. She really enjoys spending time with and interacting with the keeper staff. So at morning, when you kind of go in and put their food in their dishes... 
Myrtle immediately walks right up to you. She starts kind of flapping her wings, which is like kind of saying like, hello. She puts her head really low to the ground. And that's kind of like a an ostrich's greeting, so to speak. So she'll come and greet you. And then a lot of times she'll lay down right next to you and sit in front of you and I always enjoy first thing in the morning. I'm a little bit tired, a little bit groggy, but <laughs> I always just spend a couple of minutes with Myrtle just hanging out and petting her and hanging out with her in there, which is always fun. But Pam is very different. Pam really needs her personal space, which is very valuable to her. So we obviously respect that. Yes. So you always kind of want to kind of interact with her on her terms, if that makes sense. So whenever Pam kind of approaches you, if she wants to come up to you and, and greet you and say hi to you, that's totally fine, but just do it on her terms. Don't approach Pam, especially, you know, when we've got their their dens in the barn where they hang out, especially if you're in kind of an enclosed space, you don't want to potentially spook her because ostriches can be dangerous animals for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, they're almost 300 pounds and six feet tall and have this incredible forceful kick. And I'm not kidding when I say... I am probably, out of all the animals we work with, the most nervous to be around Pam. And the one animal that I think obviously does not like me. Yeah. <laughs> I do not think Pam likes me for whatever reason. I just, we don't vibe very well. I don't think for what it's worth, I don't think Pam likes her. any of the keepers, really. I think Pam, Pam really loves and is dependent on Myrtle. So they are very social animals. And Pam, you'll always find her on Myrtle's hip. Myrtle's a little more independent. She's fine to go do her own thing. And especially if the keepers are around. She, Like I said, she enjoys interacting with us. But Pam, she just wants to hang out with Myrtle. And she doesn't really care what we're up to. It makes me feel a little bit better. But I, I don't know. I don't think she likes me more than others. But... <laughs> Um, She's also a little unpredictable, though, yes. which, like, I see why you say, like, you, it can be a little bit intimidating when you're sharing space with this ostrich that's taller than you and they weigh three times as much as you, you know, like... They're really big birds, and they have a forceful kick, and she's a little bit unpredictable, especially when she's kind of, I guess, put in a situation where she's not perfectly comfortable. You don't really know how she's going to react, is fair, which right? is why we always are really careful around her, and we're always sure to not put her in a situation that would kind of elicit any kind of aggression or anything like that. But Right, and, but we do share space with them. You've probably seen us out on the savanna habitat with them, and it, it's a lot of fun to be able to do that, but we do have to use mm. caution and, and be Definitely. smart about everything. So Pam, she She's weighing in at 251 this month, and do you know her age? This is, again, cool. it gave it, they gave us a year. Okay, okay, so I've got a little buffer <laughs> yes. area that I want to say she's 12. You're close. So you've just been a little bit under for each. She's 13 or 14. Okay, okay. Um, just like my age. I still tell people I'm like two or three years younger <laughs> than I am. You're so, so young. We'll you don't take have to it. do that. So she was born sometime in 2008, which is funny. Okay. Say. Yes. Um, but so despite them being potentially dangerous and having these different personalities, you do a lot of training with them, which is really neat. Um, tell us about that and like the importance of it and why you chose what we are doing. Or Yeah, definitely. So... For training, just like with ostriches, with most of the animals in our zoo, all of it is choice-based. The ostriches can choose to participate one day or choose not to participate if for whatever real reason they're not feeling it. Pam, for one, there are definitely days where Pam chooses, I don't really want to participate today. I'm going to do my own thing, which is totally fine. Myrtle, of course, always chooses to participate. <laughs> um, but just like with every other animal in the zoo, all of our behaviors that we're training for are all medically based. They all have some sort of significance that will help out with their care or with their health. Um, so 
the behaviors that we train were actually kind of instilled by uh, one of our former keepers here, Dan. Shout out to Dan. I don't know if you're a listener or not, but he's, <laughs> he's gone on to, to work in New York at a zoo up there. Um, but he kind of came up with the, I guess, the methods that we use for the ostrich training, and I've kind of picked up where he left off. So for Pam and Myrtle, they're both trained for, I guess, like tactile, so touch and that way we can kind of feel their wings, feel their feathers if they have a feather issue or anything like that. Um, just kind of give them a general physical, essentially. I know we've used, like, that training to apply ointment, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. one time they, you know, scraped their leg and we're able to put something on there to help it heal or keep the flies yes, away. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so it so. might not seem like much. Oh, you're training to pet them. That's not the case. It really <laughs> is very helpful in a lot of situations. Definitely, especially, uh, like, out in that savanna habitat with the moat bugs can be an issue during mm-hmm. summertime. So for all of our animals, fly treatment is really important. We try and make sure that they're comfortable and they're getting either fly spray or for the ostriches, we're a- since we're able to touch them, um, we can apply you know, cream and ointments, whatever we need to if flies are really bad one year for whatever reason. Um, so it is a really important behavior. Um, in addition to that, we also do training for blood draw and injection. Which I think is so impressive. The yes. blood draw especially. The blood draw takes a little min- a minute because you need them to stand still and hold their position firmly for, you know, sometimes up to 90 seconds, two minutes depending on. And you're drawing blood from the leg, correct? Yes. Which is the danger zone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, so we're always really careful. So basically what that looks like is, uh, I guess, me as the trainer, I've got uh, the food item. So just like with every animal, we've got to find out what motivates our ostriches, what they really want to work for. For us, it's waterfowl pellets. Which is so funny. Yes. It's actually <laughs> for waterfowl. So think ducks. Yes. Not Geese. made for ostriches. Yeah. Made for waterfowl, but they go crazy for it for whatever reason. And we found that out because we did used to have ruddy shell ducks on the African savanna. So the ostrich would come over and eat some of their food. And it turns out to be one of their favorites. Yes. They would always steal their food, which was always so funny to me. But those poor little shell ducks just got pushed out of the way by these 250 pound ostriches coming in. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the waterfowl is what really motivates them. So uh, the trainer is kind of standing on one side, making sure that the bird's nice and calm and they're getting rewarded the whole time. And then um, the veterinary technician is in, I guess the quote unquote danger zone, kind of near the leg. So they, they bend down. We always make sure to do it in like a safe, careful manner. And ostriches can really only kick forward. So if you can position yourself correctly, you can get to kind of a space on the leg where it's safe and you're not in danger. And along with that, I think one of the more important things is just being able to read their behavior. Mm -hmm. If for whatever reason one of the ostriches is showing you a sign of distress or that they aren't comfortable, that's fine. We break it off and we don't try and force it and push the issue because you kind of need to know your limits and know when to push and when not to push. Um, but Pam will hiss at you. Pam will, for sure. It's a clear sign. <laughs> it's very obvious. It can be a little intimidating sometimes, <laughs> yes. yeah. But with the girls, along with their different personalities, like they're also very different for training. So with Myrtle, as you might guess, based on her kind of laid back, really easygoing personality, she's a piece of cake. So basically, we can just share space, go right in with her, and do whatever we need to do. She loves the waterfowl pellets, so she just eats and eats and eats while we 
if whether we're giving a, a deworming injection or a vaccine or drawing blood, whatever we need to do, we just make sure she has enough food in front of her face <laughs> to keep her busy. Um, and she's very comfortable with multiple people. She new faces don't really seem to bother her for whatever reason. Um, she's very calm, but Pam, new faces do kind of stress out Pam. So we always make sure to practice and give plenty of trial runs before we really need to do the real thing. Um, so the vet techs, they always come over and spend plenty of time, especially with Pam, getting to know her and getting comfortable with her. Um, but Pam seems to be most comfortable if she's kind of in a bit of a tighter space. Hmm. I think when she's open and exposed on all sides, she feels a little uncomfortable because, you know, these are prey species. These yeah. are prey animals out in the African savanna. If she's open on all sides, she's exposed to a potential predator on all sides. That makes sense. So for Pam, what Dan, my predecessor, what he actually kind of figured out works for her really well is if you can kind of walk her into a position where she's got a wall on one side of her and then the keeper and vet tech are on another side of her. That way she has some comfort of the wall knowing that like, you know, I've got this 90 degrees that I don't need to look at because I know there's mm -hmm. nothing there. Um, so she really calms down and she's a lot more, uh, I guess, easy to work with in that kind of situation. So for Pam, we always get her in between a wall and us and then she really calms down and settles down and you can kind of feel while like as you're feeding her the trainer can kind of feel on her chest and you can feel her weight so when she gives you her weight she's comfortable she's good ah, you can I did go not ahead and this. yeah inject blood or inject a, a dewormer <laughs> vaccine whatever it is or draw blood she'll kind of give you some of her weight if she's not comfortable she'll keep like kind of taking a step back uh. a small step back or whatever so she will give you a sign if if she's ready for it if she's feeling it that day or not um, but that all just comes from time, spending time with her. And yeah, important things to, you know, observations we make about our animals can help us in so many ways. Mm -hmm. So that's smart. So blood draws, injections. Um, I've seen you guys working with stethoscopes and yep. mirror boxes. So yep. they can step up on a mirror box, which allows us to see their feet. Still a work in really progress cool. for the mirror box. Okay. Yeah, still a work in progress. Pam especially is very very aware and apprehensive of the mirror box so <laughs> it's a work in progress with that one yeah but our hope is one day we'd be able to see the bottoms of their feet for foot care if we ever do need to do something for them um, but we've also gotten x-rays for our ostriches and that kind of stuff before it's all the same basic training that we've kind of built off of built other behaviors off of it but i think that's cool i don't know how many other zoos are doing ostrich training but i'd love to hear if there are other zoos out there yeah, or if you I'm have questions aware. let us know because it's always so important and it's it's really cool to do it with different animals that you may not expect to be super smart. Yes. I know a lot of people don't expect giraffe <laughs> to be smart. We talked about that. But I truly don't believe ostrich are very smart. I was about to say, I think, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that ostriches are smart by any means because they're definitely not the brightest animals that we have. But I do think that they're smarter than a lot of people give them credit okay. for. You hear kind of the quote unquote, the bird brain insult always get tossed out and I'm not saying that they're smart because ostriches are not intelligent animals, but they are capable of learning. I will say that much. They are sure, definitely capable yeah. of building behaviors and learning and, uh, I guess, growing with us over time just as we learn them. But Definitely. We don't want to discredit them too much, but <laughs> I think it's impressive that they aren't known to be super intelligent, but we're doing all this training with them. 
Um, yeah, they're so a lot of fun. You mentioned that Myrtle is much larger than Pam, but there are a few other ways to tell them apart. So for visitors yep. coming to the Cincinnati Zoo, what else can they look for, especially when they're not near one another? It might be harder to tell size difference. Yes. Yeah, so coloration is another really easy one if you're looking from really far away. I know our savanna habitat is a pretty large habitat, so depending on which viewing area you're at, you might see the birds from a pretty good distance. So coloration, Myrtle is a really light gray. And then all ostriches have these white feathers on their tails and on their wings, but with Myrtle, she's such a light gray color that there's really not too much of a contrast. It all kind of blends together. With Pam, she's a lot of a more of a darker gray, and you can really see a stark contrast between her white feathers on her wings and then the gray color of her body. So she's a lot darker in color. And then if you are able to get a kind of closer look at them, the easiest telltale sign to tell them apart is they do both have leg bands. So Myrtle's got a, a white leg band and Pam has a blue leg band. So. That's definitely helpful. Yes. And you mentioned the colors. A cool fact about ostrich is they are sexually dimorphic. We kind of talked about that in our wild side of love episode, which was yeah. wild. <laughs> I suggest you listen to it if you haven't. Um, but the males are actually black and the white stands out and it can attract the females. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they do dances and different things yes. to attract the females. But um, the females... And during breeding season, the males will get really oh, bright pink. Yes. Their necks and their legs, they turn this really bright pink because they've got an influx of blood flow. And it's like a sight to be seen, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and it's really neat that they have that and it helps. You know, this this color can make such a difference in different animals. But the it's common with birds. But they aren't like bright, pretty colors, which I think is interesting. And, and I've read or been told that it helps also when they have eggs and the males will um, sit on the eggs at night and they'll blend in more in the dark oh, and the females sense. are a lighter gray and might blend in more with the sand during the day. So I actually haven't heard that. That makes total I'm sense though. I'm not sure how yeah. incredibly accurate that is, but it does make sense. And I think it's really neat because male ostriches do help raise the, youngs in the yes. young in that sense. So I think that's interesting. Um, but yeah, we do not have any males. So if you, if we did have males, you would be able to tell them apart from our females here. Very and, probably... and males are so much larger as well. Yes. Males can get up to eight and a half, nine feet tall, which is absolutely mind blowing to think of a bird three feet taller than our <laughs> ostriches that we have. Right. Yeah. Just like dinosaurs. It's terrifying. Yeah. And we probably wouldn't be able to share space if we had males. Mm -hmm. They're known to be a lot more aggressive Definitely. and territorial. So um, we do not have any males, but you can tell them apart because Pam is a little bit darker and seems to be getting darker with age. Yeah. Right? I, she's definitely getting a little bit darker over the years. I don't really have much of an explanation for it. Our, so our old ostrich that we had, Rose, before we got Myrtle in, Rose did, she would kind of pluck her a little bit and she would take some of Pam's plumage out. So now Pam is definitely more full, like her plumage is really fluffy than it ever was before. I don't know if that has a, if there's a correlation there yeah. between the new coloration that she's kind of getting, but yeah, I she's read definitely getting darker. They're usually reproductively mature around five or six. Um, and she's way past that age. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I would think maybe it had to do with age. But I don't know. It's very interesting. But you can tell them apart a few yes. different ways. And they're both very interesting and fun. And, you know, they love to take their dust baths. We have a sand yes, pile do. out there for them. <laughs> and every once in a while, they will go swimming in our moat, which is super cool to see. It is, yeah. It, especially on those hot summer days. That's really the only time you're going to see it. And it doesn't happen very frequently. But if you do get a chance to see it, it's really cool to see. <laughs> yeah. And then also, you might not see them on Habitat on the really, really hot days. Every once in a while in the afternoons, we'll bring them in for, well, I guess, 
more often than not for training, but also for baths. So we yes. love to give them baths with the hose and they just plop down and love that. Yes. And one year we put a sprinkler out there before all the other animals came on habitat. We need to do that again, but it's really fun. They'll come right to the sprinkler and sit in front of it. So they love dust baths and they love water or being hosed. Or Definitely. Whatever. Especially on and during the summertime. Yeah. But they're speaking of dust bath, I'm glad you brought up the sand thing. So I'm sure everyone's heard the ostriches bury their head in the oh, sand yes. saying, I want everyone out there to know this is a myth. I'm sorry if I'm letting you down for some <laughs> reason, but ostriches do not actually bury their heads in the sand like everyone says. I get that question out on Savannah a do lot. You really? Okay. Especially like when the ostriches will take a dust bath in the sand sometimes, guests will ask like, you know, why are they doing that? What are they doing? What, when are they going to bury their head in the sand? And I'm like, well... I gotta break the news. They don't actually bury their heads in sand. I'm not sure exactly where like the myth I know. arose. Okay. Because of my recent research where I just learned all these new facts Talk about ostrich, which I should have known this whole time. But in all of my like eight years working in the Africa department, I've never gotten that question. So I think it's interesting that you get it off. I've gotten a couple times, yeah. So um they typically so they do have predators, especially mm -hmm. the young, but imagine lions, hyenas, you know, larger predators uh humans are actually one of their biggest issues but that's a whole nother topic yeah. um so if an ostrich feels threatened they will run and they can run over 40 miles per hour which is really incredible so on fast. two legs amazing um but if they can't outrun something then they will kick it but you mentioned that they can only kick forward so they kind of have to be in the right position for that and if they are threatened to the point and they can't run or they can't kick, they will huddle down and crouch and put their head and neck flat along the ground. And the thought is that this kind of makes them less visible. Oh, so to maybe try and evade the predator. Okay. Yeah, so maybe they don't have the chance to get up and run or they didn't see the predator in time. They will kind of stretch their neck out and become as flat or small as possible, which mm. is pretty hard considering their size. I don't know how <laughs> effective it is, but that's where the myth came from. Okay. But they won't actually stick their head under the sand or yeah. in the stand or bury it or anything. Yeah, like lay that. it down low to the sand, but not underneath it. Yeah. Correct, yes. So that's funny um, that you get that question. And I'm glad yeah. you, you shared that fact. Definitely. But the girls, like you said, the girls do love taking sand baths. For all birds, dust baths and sand baths, it's really important to help with their plumage care. So it helps with all their feathers, keep any mites and parasites off their feathers. And it also helps cut down like grease and oil production from their feathers. So those sand baths are really important. Our girls probably take one or two sand baths a day during the summertime. They love it. Definitely. <laughs> and it's always fun to see the guineas like, like, Kind of coming around them and finding little yes. corners of it, and all, like this giant bird and this tiny little this bird. tiny little yeah <laughs> we call them guinea fowler chickens out there they <laughs> yes. just look like little savannah chickens they're so cute but it is fun because being in the mixed species exhibit out in the savannah habitat you know we've got a multitude of bird species a couple different hoofstock species out there it is always interesting to see which species kind of interact and the guineas always seem to like to spend the time around the ostriches I think the ostriches kind of as they forage and as they peck at the grass and eat the seeds and everything, I think they kick stuff up. That makes sense. And the guineas kind of trail behind them and they'll pick up worms that the ostriches leave behind or any grass pieces. So the guineas are kind of like the little garbage disposal <laughs> following behind the ostriches and eating behind them. <laughs> Definitely. So I wanted to talk about their diets, which you've just mm. brought up. Um, tell us what they eat in the wild and also what we feed them here. So in the wild, plant matter makes up the vast majority of their diet. They'll eat all kinds of seeds, grasses, leaves, flowers. Um, if they can find fruit, they'll eat fruit. And here at the zoo, 
uh, we have a special formulated pellet called a ratite pellet. So ratite is the, the family of birds that ostriches belong to, these large two-legged birds. So think, you know, emus, rhea, that kind of stuff. They make a specially formulated pellet, which has all the nutritional uh, supplements, everything they need. So the ostriches get a lot of these ratite pellets. They also get... Uh, eggshell for extra calcium in their diet because our girls even though we do not have males our girls will still lay unfertilized eggs so for their egg care it's important for them to get calcium um, and then they also get a variety of produce so we give them apples lettuce um, endive for enrichment they get all kinds of different stuff uh, blueberries raspberries sweet potato all kinds of produce they really like and then we give them some enrichment uh, some enrichment food as well. So we mentioned the waterfowl pellets. Those mm -hmm. we tend to save just for training because they are so high value. Um, but every now and then they'll get some of the crane crane pellets as well, which we give to our East African crown crane. They really enjoy the crane pellets when they get them for enrichment too. Yeah. And sometimes alfalfa, which is like a mm -hmm. higher protein type of hay. And then um, they're even known to eat insects and lizards and rodents once in a while, which really? I've never seen our girls eating or catching anything, and I don't know how many of the lizards around here make it out I've there, definitely seen our girls eat bugs. Yes, I've I definitely seen them eat bugs, bugs for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yes. It's so funny because when we bring insects out, like our mealworms or crickets for the cranes and the guineas, we notice that the vultures will come over yes. and eat them. And even our kudu hobs is, <laughs> is pretty interested in mealworms, which is something I never would have expected. But yeah, and I think it's crazy. Their ostriches are even known to eat carrion or dead animals that predators have left over they'll eat meat from that so that's rare but they are known as omnivores because mm. they have such a varied diet which you know is pretty cool yeah you wouldn't cool. imagine that for these birds yeah i know especially like rodents and lizards like that'd be really cool to see an ostrich catch one I know. honestly i feel like we should do some sort of enrichment that way see if they want any mice that we throw out <laughs> to icky <laughs> Um, so yeah they have a varied diet primarily made up of plants um, and then I mean, we talked about their speed. They can run over 40 miles per yeah. hour, which is incredible. But you did mention earlier how Pam would hiss. So, you know, ostrich's primary, I guess, reaction when they're faced with a predator, you know, fight or flight response kicks in. They tend to just run and mm -hmm. f f quote unquote flight kicks in. They don't actually fly, obviously, but they run away from the predators. You mentioned they can run 40 to 45 miles an hour, which is insane. Mm -hmm. But if they are threatened, sometimes ostriches will kind of put up a little bit of a fight. They do make this really intimidating hiss, which you'll see Pam do every now and then. So Pam does not really get along with our crowned crane out on exhibit. So if the crowned crane gets too close to Pam, Pam will hiss at the crowned crane and let him know, all right, you're too close. Back up a little bit. But it's very intimidating. And they can also, like you said, they pack a punch with their kick. So sometimes they will, they'll fluff up really big. They'll spread their wings out. They'll stand up really straight and really tall, and they'll give out this really mean hiss, and then they'll kick a, a couple times. But, yeah. I would not want to be in front of them when they <laughs> And they also dance. I don't really know if I understand the reasoning, but on certain days, certain mornings, they are feeling extra happy or extra energetic, and they will go out and just run and then spin in circles you know 10 to 20 times yes. in a row with their feather or their wings out and it's really impressive and fun to watch it is and they kind of use their rings like or their rings use their wings to kind of steer themselves so like they'll kind of open one wing close another yeah. as they change direction it's really cool to see because like it literally looks like a train wreck going down. Like you think this bird is going to fall down and crash at any moment, but they're really, really dexterous. They've got great balance and 
they can sprint around that habitat, make hair point turns. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah I read that they do use their wings as like, you know, breaks almost and helping them navigate where they're going. And we mentioned they live in our savanna habitat here at the zoo. Um, and they do. They're found in savannas, plains, uh, desert area, and even sometimes the woodlands in Africa. So they are an African animal. Um, and yeah, they don't need to drink range. much water. So that's why they can do well in the deserts. Uh, but they do need plant material. So uh, we've noticed here that they love to drink out of deep um, tubs or buckets. Yeah. So they do love to drink and they will take any opportunity and you might see them drinking from like a watering hole in the wild. But uh, because of all the plant material that they eat, they don't have to drink a ton of water. Yeah, that's some of our girls' favorite enrichment items that we give them is we've got these kind of deep black tubs and these black kind of pools. The one is even large enough for them to get into and I have seen Myrtle step into it and take <laughs> a little bath in it, which was really cute. But they love any chance they can get at water. Yeah, which... Is, is always kind of interesting to me because you mentioned how in the wild they don't really need to utilize it very frequently at all. I almost think it's kind of a an evolutionary advantage to take advantage of it while you have it. Yes. You don't know when your next time is going to be without water, so mm -hmm. you just take advantage of it when you have it. And our girls obviously are lucky enough to have water all the time yeah. whenever they want it, so <laughs> they definitely utilize it. For sure. And then I think it's interesting that they do live in flocks, which you may not see a ton in zoos um, because they're such large animals and you would need kind of the right space and probably a habitat to their own if, it, if you were going to manage them as a flock. But they can live in flocks of 10 or sometimes up to like 70 or I read even 100 birds, which is really, that would be really cool to see. Yeah, could you imagine seeing 100 ostriches out there? No. <laughs> um, and they do have a pecking order and there's like a main hen or a dominant female and then, you know, a, a dominant male that will mate with obviously the dominant female, but sometimes the others. And I think it's really interesting. We mentioned that the male will help care for the young, um, but they actually will have communal nests. So yeah, they all talk nest about together. That yeah. Yeah. So all the females that the, the male mates with, they kind of make this nest. Like Jenna mentioned earlier, they do build their nests in the sand or dirt. They kind of just dig out a little, basically a, a pit. They just mm -hmm. dig a pit in the ground and then they all will lay their eggs together. Um, typically, you know, I've read anywhere from 15 to 30 eggs will be in a typical nest and they'll take turns sitting on them. Um, even the males will sit on the, the nest, which is really cool. I, I enjoy that the ostriches have paternal care. Yeah, I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I think the females can lay like seven to 10 eggs at a time and the dominant female will try and push her eggs to the middle so they have more likelihood of hatching mm. and staying safe. Where the, I don't know how she can tell, which I think is really cool that they can, but basically the you know, less dominant females, their eggs will be kind of pushed, pushed to, the, to the outside. Because, you know, yeah. predators are definitely an issue for eggs. Eggs get stolen by all kinds of animals. So you got to imagine those eggs that are on the outside of the nest are some of the first ones that get taken by predators if they can get them. Yes, yeah. definitely. Um, so we mentioned their eggs. I still to this day am excited if I find an ostrich it's egg. Always, it's like finding a present when you walk yes. in in the morning. And I've <laughs> caught them laying an egg I think three times now which is really cool to see and they do hiss because I imagine it hurts because it is the yeah. largest egg of any animal yes. or any bird and well I guess reptiles. So any animal um, and it is giant. Do you know the facts about the egg size? Yeah, so I've I've heard it's 24. It's equivalent to like 24 chicken eggs, like yes. two dozen chicken eggs is an ostrich egg. But I did I have heard before. I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but I've heard that 
they have the largest egg, but also the smallest egg to body size ratio oh. of any bird, if that makes sense. That makes so sense. So yeah. for as large as they are, the eggs could technically be bigger, which is insane because those eggs are massive. Yeah, they're like <laughs> close to dinosaur egg size is yeah. what I was reading. But they're, they're about, like four pounds probably. Yeah, they're like yeah. three pounds usually and they're about five inches across. So yeah, imagine 24 chicken eggs in one egg. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's always fun to find and um, impressive. I can't imagine laying like seven to ten of those. Yeah. But we find them during different seasons, we find them more often. Definitely. Um, sometimes it's like every other day and sometimes it's once a month yeah. or so. And we do, I do have people ask like, you know, does it affect the ostriches when we take the eggs away? And for our girls, not at all. So I do think, you know, we mentioned ostriches aren't the smartest animals in the world, but they are able to realize like these eggs aren't fertilized. They never bred, they never mated. So these eggs will not produce young. So we'll tend to see them, you know, after they lay an egg, they'll tend to stay with it for maybe a couple hours here or there. And then they get up and actually just walk away from the eggs themselves. They know that there's not really any value in those eggs. So they leave them themselves and then we just pick them up and clean them up after yeah, the fact. We've yeah, we've never had to fight them <laughs> yeah. off their eggs, which there are different animals or different birds here that will lay eggs and we do need to give them a dummy egg. But yes. the ostriches are not one of those yeah. birds. <laughs> um, so we mentioned how large their eggs are. Um, and we've sort of talked about their eyes, maybe, or have we? Um, they have the largest eyes of any land animal. Massive. And they're Great huge, eyesight. Amazing eyesight. And so that's why they can detect predators and take off running most of the time before. Mm -hmm. um, but it's actually, their eyes are bigger than their brain. So you look at their heads. That checks and out. Look at their <laughs> eyes, and there's not much space for their brain in there. So they have really, really large eyes. That checks out. And if you not see that, brains. if you can look at, get a kind of up-close look at their face, their eyes are positioned really far on the sides of their head. So they've got this really wide field of view that they can see not quite, but almost 360 degrees at any moment, and they detect movement really well. So they're always on the lookout for predators, any kind of movement in the grass, in the shrubs, whatever. Ambush has come, and they're aware of it. Yeah. Definitely. So I have a quiz for you, but am I missing anything? Did you want to go over any facts about specifically Pam or Myrtle or... Nothing that I can really think of off my head. I would just say next time you're strolling through the zoo and you see the savannah habitat, take a take a second to appreciate them. They love hanging out, especially Myrtle. She really enjoys the the viewing area that's closest to our painted dog exhibit. Yes. So it's as you're looking at the exhibit from the public side, it's the viewing on the very far left. She's very people-oriented. She enjoys spending time up there. Um, it was really funny because when we got Myrtle, we actually had to fortify the habitat a little bit. So Myrtle immediately went to that viewing area. We mentioned she loves hanging out with people. So she was actually pecking at some of the guests' feet because she was tall <laughs> enough to reach. So we, we, had had to, so we had to add some substrate and some rocks to put her a couple feet back so she's not pecking at people's feet and everything. Um, so she does still, I mean... Even with the rocks that we've added, you know, she's only a couple feet away from you. It's really impressive to see them that closely. And I just encourage people to spend some time and really look at them. They're fascinating animals. And there's not, oh, we didn't mention, they've got two toes. Oh. Another fun fact about yeah. ostriches. One of the only birds with two toes. Most have more than that. Um, I've read that the kind of the thought process is it, it makes, they're almost hoof-like so their oh. toes are almost like hooves. It aids in their speed and as they traverse the savanna to get away from predators. It okay. kind of helps them. But I hadn't read the reason for it. Really weird to see their feet if you ever see the ostrich feet. They look like dinosaurs. But yes, they <laughs> yeah. do. 
Um, so on that note, I have a quiz, and that was one of my questions. True, oh. true or false? Are they the only bird with two toes? True. 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 So we mentioned ratites, the family that they're from. You know, Rhea, Kia, Emu are all in that family, but they have three toes, and then most birds have four. Have so, four, yes. Um, but they are the only bird with two toes, and they look like dinosaur feet. Yes. And now you know the reason behind it. And oh. their feet are massive, too. Yes. Like, each one of their toes is... I don't know. I don't have a size estimate, but it's way bigger than my hand. Each right. toe is way larger than my hand is. We could like, easily get a measurement if we find a good footprint. We could, yeah, we could. <laughs> okay, so you got quiz question number one correct. All right. Um, okay, so we mentioned they lay the largest egg, and it's equivalent to about 24 chicken eggs, and they're usually roughly, you know, three pounds. Do you know how many calories are in one oh, egg? Oh, man. So if you sat it's, down and made yourself, which you can, you can buy an ostrich egg, I know, from Jungle Gyms, yes. and try it, which I've never done. I, I don't know how it tastes. Have you had one? Yeah, yeah. They're Is not They're not too different. I mean, okay. they're definitely, like, tougher, if that makes sense, okay. than chicken eggs. But, yeah, it's a little bit different flavor, but I still think it's good. Okay, but. so if you <laughs> sat down to have a meal of one ostrich egg, how many calories would you be consuming? Roughly? It's got to be astronomical. I would say, like... All the protein and everything that's in there, I bet it's 4,000 calories. Okay. It's a good guess. It's a little high. It's a little high. Okay. Yeah. So they're roughly 2,000 okay, calories. Okay, 2,000. Uh, one chicken egg is usually about 75 calories. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. There are farms selling ostrich eggs. You can get them at Jungle Gyms, um, and you could make like your entire family breakfast Some for them. ostrich <laughs> omelets yeah. just get one egg for christmas yeah um and just like chicken eggs all the eggs that they sell at these stores are all unfertilized you yes. know it's not like there's a an ostrich embryo inside of there Correct. they're all unfertilized none of these birds have been bred with so right yeah. yes um and we didn't mention that when the eggs are being incubated that are fertilized um you know when they mate they actually only take about 42 to 46 days to hatch which i don't know why they're just so big, I thought it would be it's longer. It's not that long. Yeah, it's not that long of an incubation period yeah. at all. Yeah, I thought it would be longer. Yeah. Okay, so next question. We said they have the largest eyes of any land animal. Do you know what animal has the largest eyes in the world? The largest eyes. I feel like I'm between two animals. I, it's got to be something in the ocean. Blue whales are just so giant that it's hard for me to think that their eyes aren't the largest eyes just because they're so huge. But I know giant squid eyes are also massive. I would say giant squid. Yes, you're right. So the colossal or giant squid has the largest eyes of any living animal. Do you have any idea, like, how big or... So ostriches are about two, two and a half inches. I'd say giant squid is... Maybe double that, four or five? So they are, I have it in centimeters. Okay. But I have a reference that'll help more. So they're about 27 centimeters, and I think ostrich are like five centimeters. Wow. But they're a soccer ball. So imagine eyes the size of a soccer ball. Oh my goodness. I did not think it would be that big. I can't like, even really picture it. And I saw pictures of it. I was thinking it would be like a <laughs> softball, and that was going to be huge. You know what I mean? Not a soccer ball. That yeah. is insane. Very crazy. I've got to look that up after this. Yes. I've got to see photos. <laughs> i got to see that. <laughs> okay, still on the eye subject, how often, and I don't know how accurate this is, we, sh we could test it ourselves. How often does an ostrich blink? Hmm. 
I don't see our girls blink that frequently. Is this like per minute, per day? Per minute. Per minute, okay. Per minute, they they always seem to keep their eyes open really steadily. I would say like four times a minute. I should have written my source down, which I, I tried to get really reputable sources, um, but it said once per minute. Once per minute. Yes. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. So now I want to check it out. I find myself, I'm probably blinking like 20 times Right. <laughs> and I don't know the reason why that would yeah. be, but they do not have to blink often. Okay. So you sort of talked about this question, but can, a make, can an ostrich make a sound? And if so, what does it sound like? So they do. They have a couple different vocalizations, Okay, so actually. I was wondering if you know about the others. Yeah, so females, we mentioned, all, all ostriches can hiss, as we mentioned. Um, you'll hear females kind of chirp, and you'll hear them hoo, especially kind of during mating. Like, we've heard Myrtle before. We've heard her hoo. It's <gasps> I almost, haven't heard it. Oh, man. It's almost like a an owl, it kind of sounds wow. like. It's, it's a strange vocalization, but it's really cute. And then males can make this booming noise, which, like... They'll inflate their necks really large and they'll boom to kind of attract a mate or to kind of establish their territory. But it's really a cool sound to hear. So, yes, you're right. And you knew more than I even knew um, or read that the males, I didn't know about the hooing or like this cute little sound. A little like yeah. yes. um, But the males have a booming warning call that sounds like a lion is the way it was described. Like almost like a roar. I've never heard it in person, but I've heard recordings of it. Okay. And yeah, it, it kind of is like a growling roar. Yeah, it's a strange sound. Like I wish we could play it. I didn't even think about it. <laughs> but yeah, that's super cool. And I don't think anyone would picture that when you look at them. Yeah, not so. coming from an ostrich. Yeah. All right. Well, they inflate their necks really big when they do it. Like their necks kind of blow up. I guess they're kind of forcing air out. Like, okay. It's really cool to see. I've seen videos of it. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. For sure. You got, what, four out of five, right? So, good job. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> I'm impressed. Okay, final question. What can I do? So, what can we do? So, this isn't just for ostriches, but for all wildlife in general. I think we've had something kind of similar to this discussed on the podcast before, but just be a knowledgeable consumer. So, uh, me and Jenna were actually just having a discussion right before we kind of started recording about, you know, some of the threats that ostriches ostriches have faced over the years and one of their biggest threats is hunting and poaching from people now luckily with the uh, introduction of ostrich farms it has kind of you don't need to hunt and poach them anymore because you can raise them in farms and get any kind of products feathers whatever it is you need from them but just make sure that all of your animal products that you buy are coming from good sources um, reputable people reputable businesses that aren't exploiting and using animal products for their own gain because there is plenty of that out there in the world and luckily for ostriches they're a really easy animal to farm and we are able to kind of have them in human care and that fills the needs for any feathers any eggs that people would like to eat you know we mentioned about how you can go up to jungle gyms and buy an ostrich egg um, I'm sure you can also buy ostrich feathers and that kind of stuff I've heard that like they even use some ostrich skin for leather, so you can oh. make, yeah, like ostrich leather kind of stuff. But, wow. yeah, there's all kinds of products out there. But I always just encourage you to realize where your products are coming from and make sure that they're coming from reputable places. Yeah, it sounds like if not for ostrich farming, they might have gone extinct back in the 1830s. They were being hunted for their feathers and, and, and skin and meat and eggs and everything. Mm -hmm. But 
women wanted their feathers for hats back mm. then. So yeah, you just gotta think, is this really necessary? Could I do without this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> probably, the answer is probably Most of the time, yes, probably, especially yes. if you're wearing it. So um, yeah, I like that one, being yeah. knowledgeable. Yeah. Great. Yeah, which isn't always easy. You know, it takes some effort. It takes some time out of your day to actually go and research what you're buying. But nine times out of ten, it's always worth it. And it's worth the investment in your time and energy. But, yeah. We did mention, you know, they were almost hunted to extinction back then. Luckily, ostrich numbers are really good. They've recovered now. Yes. Um, There is one subspecies that's endangered, the North African ostrich. Um, But... Throughout the rest of the continent of Africa, they're pretty common, and I'm pretty sure they're listed as least concerned right now by the IUCN. So, good news. luckily, they're good. Yeah, they have good numbers for now, but still got to protect them. Still got to care about them. Still got to care about their habitat, especially. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Human encroachment, I think, is one of their biggest issues mm-hmm. currently. Is there just people moving into all of their homes? Yeah. So. Well, yeah. cool. This was a, this was fun. It was yeah. different. I hope all the listeners enjoy this yes, one. This was too. fun for us to just kind of hang out and <laughs> chat about our animals. Yeah. <laughs> and next time you're at the zoo, you can check out Pam and Myrtle and test yourself. Can you tell them apart without looking at their leg band, maybe? Yeah, try without the leg band. And then, yeah. you know, if you're really desperate, just take a peek. White is Myrtle, blue is Pam. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You guys have a wonderful day. Yeah, thank you all for listening. Take care. <laughs>